welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. Good morning again. I just got to tell you, I love the new year. This is one of my favorite days. This whole Christmas season, New Year's, it's just my favorite. It's just so many cool things happen. I get to spend time with family and friends, and it's just been a great Christmas season for me, and I'm excited about the new year. I'm going to go play golf this afternoon. No, not outside, unfortunately, but my, new, my family learned a new card game this year. Hopefully, you're not offended by that. But anyway, it's called golf, and we played it. Christmas Day, and we just had a blast, and I won. So we're going to go and play that again this afternoon. We will probably have the Vikings game on and mourn as they lose again, but whatever. And I will cheer. I do. I will cheer for the Packers tonight. Uh, my, you know, I just, I have to. I can, I'm not a Lions fan, so I got to cheer for the Packers tonight. And none of you care about all that. So anyway, anyway, I love the new year because it's like turning the chapter, uh, in a book or starting a new book. In fact, I'm, I'm starting a brand new book. I'm so excited. I love to start new books the first of the year. I read until late last night to get the one done that I was reading so I could start today on a new one. So I'm going to read The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer to start the year. I thought, oh, this will be great. I'll just take it to the next level. So I'm excited about that. I hope you have a plan to start strong this year and more importantly, to finish even stronger the following year. I went back yesterday as I was doing my devotions and just reflecting on the year and read where I was a year ago. And either I'm getting old and my mind is failing or, or God has just been so faithful. I totally forgot about what life was like last year at this time. And I'm really glad it's not that, that way this year. I had several significant unexpected expenses that kind of made turn my world upside down last year. There, we'd made some changes around the church, all of which were good, but they impacted my role and responsibility around the church. And all I did was reveal my insecurities, and that's always fun, right? Ugh. Anyway, but I survived it, and the year turned out just going on an upswing, and I'm excited about 2017. But I, there was a point this summer where God shifted some things in my life. And I want to teach about that today. I'm going to start with it and I'm going to end with it. I'm going to bookend it. And so you, you're going to hear what I'm going to say and then I'm going to say it and then I'll finish it, okay? Um, I went on vacation this summer, which is a good thing to do. You should use your vacation time. But I went to friends of mine who live in Vancouver, British Columbia. Actually, they live in a suburb of Vancouver that overlooks the Pacific Ocean. And with a drive, a three wood, and a five iron, you're in America. Except that it's, it's ocean, right? So it's just this spectacular view that I get to enjoy for absolutely free. All I have to do is get there, and Delta Sky Miles helps me do that. So it's really a pretty cool free vacation in a gorgeous spot. But as we always do, we talk a lot. In fact, I talked to her, um, I think it was last Monday. No, it couldn't have been. I don't remember. But I called her. There was a Saturday before Christmas. I called her. About, um, I saw her post on Instagram at about um, 8 o'clock our time, which is 6 o'clock Vancouver time, a.m. And um, I texted. And I said, are you up? Can you talk? You got a coffee? Because we always love to drink coffee and talk. And two hours later, we said goodbye. You know, it was just, it's one of those friendships where you can talk forever and you feel like you haven't talked at all. Um, but we were together, and she... She, in our, the course of our conversation, she just made the comment that in, in her lifetime, she's probably read through the Bible 20 times, the whole Bible in a year, read through it 20 times. And I'm like, 
Well, now, now I've read through the Bible probably a handful of times, five at the most, maybe only four. No, it's more than two, whatever, someplace in there. But it just struck me. And I, I thought, well, I could read through the, I could still make it 20 times through the Bible in my lifetime if I start right now, because I'm not old enough to die yet. But so I made a commitment to read through the Bible every year. I started right then. I didn't wait until the first of the year. I started right there while I was at their house. And so I have read through Genesis, Exodus. I survived Leviticus and Numbers. Actually, there's some good things in there. But to be honest with you, it's a bit of a slog getting through that. I'm glad that, I'm glad that they balance it with, you know, the gospel and Proverbs or Psalms. You know, that helps. You know, it's kind of like eating your broccoli along with the steak. Okay. <laughs> But I got through it, and then I got to, you know, um, Deuteronomy, which I love, and then Judges drove me crazy. It's like, oh, my gosh, you guys, haven't you figured this out? You get rescued, and then you hang out with all the ites, and the ites put you in bondage, and life goes really south, and then you cry out to God, and in all his mercy, you trip yourself on the cord, but he rescues you, right? And then you live rescued, and then you drift away to all the ites again, right? It's just crazy how that cycle repeats itself. And there's one phrase in there that explains it all. After they got rescued, they did what was right in their own eyes. They didn't stay faithful and obedient to God and all he commanded them. They chose to live like the world around them, and it always, without fail, made them wind up in a cesspool. Wine presses, in some cases. But, you know, and then there's the whole story of Samson. I'm like, what? And then, as frustrated as I was, I realized, we do that. I do that. We do that. And if you're here and you haven't done that, you can leave now because you don't need to hear this message. So my question was, how can we break that cycle in the new year? And now I'm here today at the request of Pastor Rob and Pastor Zeus, and I'm honored to be here. Pastor Rob, though, gave all of the campus pastors, and so me in, in Zeus's stead, he gave us the scripture for today, and I thought that fits perfectly with what I learned in reading through Judges. And it's found in Deuteronomy 29, 29. I always love those, those passages in the Bible where the chapter matches the verse 29, 29. Look out for those because those are really good scriptures. Almost to a T, when they match like that, they're good scriptures. Um, but this one says, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Don't you want to get in on that? Oh, God. <laughs> you know? But he's clear. It says, we're not accountable for them. But we are, we and our children, so this generation and the generation behind us, are accountable forever, wow, for all that he has revealed to us, so that we may obey all the terms of these instructions. Now, why is it that God wants us to obey what he has revealed? Because that breaks the cycle of rescue, backsliding, apostasy, falling, failing, getting hung up with the ites, going into bondage, crying out, and being rescued. 
God's heart for us is that we live in that place of rescue all the time, that we live in his goodness, that we live obediently all the time. It's not that he wants to be an ogre. He just knows all of this is a real mess. Living up here, it rescued. It's the best way to live. So let's break these, this scripture down. There's two parts of it. I'm going to teach on both parts. Part one is the first part. It says, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. Now, can I tell you, if God's going to keep a secret, he's good at it, right? He, his secrets are his secrets. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit know, but they, can you, God didn't even tell Jesus when he, Jesus was going to be coming back. That's how good a keep secret keeper God is, right? Revealed to no one. And he says, we're not accountable for that. So here's the moral of that story. There are just things we're not going to understand in this life. Can anyone relate to that? Have you ever been in a season? Thank you. Has you ever been in a season where you just couldn't figure something out? Where no matter what you did, it didn't work out. No matter how, you tr- how hard you tried, it didn't work out. Now, let me say clearly that if you're living willfully disobedient to God and bad things are happening, that doesn't need a lot of explanation. Okay? Disobedience to God has consequences. And they hurt really bad. Is that news to anybody? (laughs) I don't think so. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you're really loving God and serving him with all your heart and you have one of those moments or those seasons. Because in my journey over 40 years with God now, there's seasons. And some of them are yucky, like really bad. Right? And so maybe 2016 or maybe 2014 and 2015 was not a good season for me. It was two bad years in a row. No matter what I tried, things just didn't work. I was extremely frustrated. Part of it was I was just in pride trying to control things I didn't have any right trying to control. There's a big lesson for all of you right there. If you're trying to control something you don't have any business controlling, give up because it's a waste of time and effort. And that bled over into 2016. But maybe you're here in this room and you've had dreams that, that didn't come true. I, I have two friends this year that were dreaming of getting pregnant. And they did. And then they lost their baby. Miscarriages. That's one of those moments. Maybe you've, maybe you've had people who have had tragic accidents. I spoke to a family after the first service, and they had a dear friend, um, several dear friends die in a tragic plane crash this year. Totally unexplained, no reason for it. But they're not here today. Maybe there's so-called medical terminal illnesses. Maybe, maybe this has been just a year or a season of, of delay after delay after delay. And you're getting disappointed and discouraged. Maybe it's one of those moments. For Vikings fans this year, it was one of those. Sorry, I gotta make you laugh every once in a while. Sometimes I just don't understand. And I I have a dear friends, they've been friends of mine. I was there 
this gentleman that I know, husband and wife, gentleman that I know, first ones I met when I got into a church that really was preaching the truth of the gospel in my early 20s. He was one of the first guys I met. I actually introduced him to his wife, and I was there the night that she got saved in our church. I've known them that long. An amazing couple. In her early 30s, she was diagnosed with lupus. And we prayed and believed, and she went into remission. And it came back in her 40s. And we continued to pray and believe. And today, there is no lupus virus in her system. She is totally healed from lupus. We're just, wow, right? Her husband, who when we met in our early 20s, six foot four, 225 pounds, in great physical shape, handsome young man, godly man, pursued Jesus with all his heart. And about 10 years ago, after Tony, his wife, has been healed from lupus, he's diagnosed with a genetic disorder called cerebellar ataxia, which eats away at the lining of the brain and really acts just like Lou Gehrig's disease, ALS. And so this amazing man is believing for healing in his body in spite of the fact that he now weighs about 140 pounds and is losing his motor abilities struggles to speak, and struggles to see. She's healed, and at this point in time, he continues to decline. Secrets belong to God. He's using every bit as much of faith as she did. He's believing every bit as much. We're praying for him as, as very bit as much as we prayed for her. I don't get it. So what do you do in those moments? First and foremost, remember, it's just a moment. It's just a moment. Even though it lasts, may last for a lifetime, unless Reggie gets a miracle from God, he will continue to decline. But he knows Jesus, and he refuses to quit believing So he will walk in divine health and she will meet him in heaven in due time and they will live together forever. That is the promise that we have and that we hold to, but we're still believing for his healing here. I don't understand why, but they're not going to quit believing. While we don't understand why that's going on, I don't understand why you're facing what you're facing. God hasn't changed. He's still faithful. So many times we think circumstances judge who God is. Uh Uh-uh. God is who he is regardless of circumstances. We may not understand it. He sees it from a different perspective. He's seeing a bigger picture. Why? Why, church? Why do we think? With our finite mind, we can understand the infinite, timeless mind of God. What if? Just what if? Because Reggie's not going to quit believing for God. He's, going to quit, he's not going to quit believing God for his healing. What if that keeps somebody else from unplugging from God in their struggle? 
If he can believe when he's facing that, why can't I believe when I'm facing this? He is a testimony to God's faithfulness. And here's the other thing, and that's really what it is. No matter how it turns out, God is going to work and redeem it. He will use it for his glory. It's tied to someone else's success and faithfulness, obedience. When we stay faithful, it affects someone else. When we unplug, it affects someone else. Which do you want for your life? To be someone that connects someone to God, even in the most difficult times? Or do you want to be someone that fails to continue to believe that then will affect someone else and their failure? See, Reggie and Tony's kids are still trusting God, and they're not giving up. Tony is not giving up. They will be singing the praises of God regardless of how Reggie's days end here. Question, will we remain faithful even when we don't understand? Can I tell you, the enemy wants you to quit. When I have lunch with Tony, I say, how do you do this? How do you do this every day, caring for him, continuing to care for him, continuing to go to work? She's continuing to work. How do you do this? She is one of the most joyful people I know. She's not walking around upset and gripey and complaining. Her face is radiant. She's full of joy. She loves Jesus. Reggie is the same. She looked at me one day and she goes, Lindsay, what's my option? If I quit trusting God, what do I have left? There is no hope if I don't trust God. I have nothing to hang on to if I don't trust God. He is my hope and joy even when I don't understand. I thought, that's the answer. But the enemy wants us to unplug and sit down, and then he wins. He wants our obedience and our faithfulness to stagnate when we don't understand. Understanding, church, understanding is not a prerequisite to obedience. That's right. It just isn't. He knows better. I trust that. God's got more things figured out than I ever thought about. In fact, all of us ever thought about. I can trust him because I know he doesn't change. You see, I, I absolutely believe that God as the Redeemer can work even in situations like this and that someone is waiting on the other side of our obedience. And that's what leads us to part two. Part two of this, even when we don't understand, we want to obey, but part two says we and our children. So not just us. Obedience is never an isolated thing. Obedience is never just about me. Reggie and Tony's obedience isn't just about them. It's about their kids. Parents, your obedience sets your kids up to win. Your disobedience, your one day in, one day out, up when it's good, down when it's bad, the repeating cycle can turn your kids off to Jesus, the one hope that they have. And if any generation needs hope in Christ Jesus, it's the younger generation. So church, can we be those people 
that will set the tone of obedience for the next generation. I don't want to die not serving God, not passionate about Jesus. I want to be that old lady that people still come to and say, Pastor Lindsay, pray for me. I want it. I need healing. I, I need strength. I need encouragement. I need wisdom. I want to be that old lady. Maybe I already am. But anyway, I I don't want to lose my zeal because I want to tell the next generation about how amazing God is. And I want them to see it in my life. And I want to say for 50 years, for 60 years, and if God forbid I live 70 70 years from the time I really turned on to Jesus, that put me in my 90s. But if I live that long, I still want to be on fire. That would give me 30 years of reading the Bible every year. Take it easy, Dave. <laughs> See, uh, well, we and our children are accountable forever for all that he has revealed to us. And, and so that we may obey them. Think about it. We, just, we celebrated communion this morning. We sang the song about faithfulness this morning. We just finished Christmas. Church, Jesus came to rescue us. And if you just... Read the paper. Maybe that's too old-fashioned. If you look at CNN or if you read Fox News, even Fox News, it's a bad place to live here without Jesus. Right? He came to rescue us from us. He came to pluck us out of it and give us a life that leads us, lives, causes us to live above it all. We can live victorious in the midst of bad times, and we need that more now than ever before. It's going to get worse, church, but we can stay optimistic and full of life and full of faith because we obey what God does. Has it ever occurred to you that nothing has ever occurred to God? That's an old one. I borrowed that. You can hold me accountable. He knows. All right. But the truth is, what God asks us to do today is because he know what's, knows what's coming here, and he wants us to be blessed here. And so if we disobey here, we lose track of it, and we don't wind up here where the blessings have already been commanded. We wind up over here, and we're in a mess. Let's break the cycle and start obeying. What do we have to obey? Everything he told you last year. See, God still speaks. And I know he spoke to some of you specifically in 2016, and you have rebelled and have not done it. Some of you, God said, step out. And you said, oh, no, you step back. Some of you said, share your, God said, share your faith to some of you. You said, uh-uh, uh-uh, nope, I, nope, I don't want to turn them off. They're already turned off. Get them turned on. Share your faith. Share the good news. They need it. Right? God told some of you to step out or to... No, let me check my notes here. God, some of you... Here we go. God told some of you to forgive. And today you're still held by a grudge, by bitterness and anger. And it's eating away at you. And they're walking free. You let go of it, and God can set you free. You hang on to it, and you will stay in bondage. Forgive the ones he told you to forgive. Some of you, and we're probably all guilty on this one, some of you, God spoke to you about something so small. And right now, God quickened that to several of you in here. But it was so small, you felt it was so insignificant, you just ignored it. But someone is waiting on the other side of your obedience. Your obedience 
is the key to some other people's freedoms. And if you don't want to be part of it, God will find somebody else. But that's why your Christianity is boring and stagnant. Disobedience makes this journey with Christ boring. But we might try to get off the hook because God hasn't spoken anything specifically to us, but he has spoken some general things to us that we're all accountable for. And I'm going to share three of them really quickly, and then we're going to finish this up. And you can go watch the Vikings get clobbered. Galatians 1. I have no faith in the Vikings this year. My faith is in God. (laughs) Galatians, the first one, Galatians 5, 22 and 23. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Does anybody want the Holy Spirit to produce something good in you this year? This is what he wants to do. Look at this list of things. And how would it radically transform your home, your workplace, your neighborhood, this community? It could absolutely change Minatrista Mound, Excelsior, Waconia, Victoria. You could be flooded with people here if this fruit was manifest in our lives wherever we went. Love. Oh, my goodness. Can we just love people? Can we love them enough to tell them the truth with grace, but tell them the truth? What if we walked in the peace of God, That's the, or the joy? Let me not skip the joy. Can we walk in the joy that Tony's walking in when she's facing what she's... If she's facing what she's facing, how much more can we walk in the joy no matter what's going on in our life? We should be the most joyful people on the planet. Disobedience destroys joy. Obedience fuels joy. Joy patience, that steady, calm perseverance, no matter what's going on, I'm moving forward. Could we be kind to one another? Wow, wouldn't that be a novel idea? Kids, instead of bugging your siblings, be kind to them. High school kids, you high schoolers? College, some college, stop the bullying. Be the ones that stop the bullying in your schools. And be kind to the one that's bullied and watch what happens. Be faithful. Okay, this is my pet peeve. I'll touch on this quickly and then I'll move on. If you've made a commitment, no, let me back up. Make a commitment to serve on a life team this year and then show up and do it. That's faithfulness, right? It's not an option. You make a commitment, and you're faithful to it. Hey, older generation, we got to teach these young kids how to make a commitment because they're driven by the fear of missing out, and making a commitment is the most fearful thing they could ever do. When they, when they realize how great it is to make a commitment and keep it, their life will take shape and have a purpose and a form, and it'll move forward instead of being distracted by every little social media post. Okay, I'll get off my wax. I'm done. Gentle, be gentle one another, and finally self-control, and this is where God really dealt with me because I need to lose some weight this year because I wanted to lose the weight last year, and guess what? I'm in exactly the same weight that I was a year ago because mm. I tried to do it in my own strength. 
How do we live in self-control? How do we have the fruit of the Spirit? Second one, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Oh my goodness, if Jesus could leave heaven and get squirted into this world as a little baby, what can he ask us that we wouldn't want to do? I know that was graphic, but that's what he did. Jesus did that. And, you're, and he's asking you to tithe? Give me a break, church. Give your bodies. That's what I got to do. That's why I, God dealt with me the 1st of December. Start giving your body to me. So guess what I do? Every morning I get up, and the first thing I do is hit my knees. It took me four months to obey that because Bill Hybels told me about that in a session I was in of his in September, and it took me to December to do that. My alarm goes off, and I'm off the bed onto my knees. Father, I give you my body. It's a living sacrifice. This is your temple. Don't mess with God's temple, church. And he goes on, second part of the verse, um, I got to turn it over. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. Don't let your world be shaped by somebody else's social media. Don't let your priorities be shaped by somebody else's Instagram post. It's a farce. It's only the best. Nobody Instagrams being sick in the bathroom. Nobody Instagrams crying out for God to rescue them from the stupid mistakes. They only show the glossies. It's an airbrushed life. Don't be conformed to that, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. And the third one, Colossians 3, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. That's how we live in the fruit of the Spirit. That's how our minds get transformed. That's how we give our bodies as a living sacrifice. We make the Word of God time every day with Him the priority in our life. Pastor Brandon, last night at the Apple Valley, I'm going to steal this, just blatantly steal this. Pastor Brandon, last night at the Apple Valley campus, said that John Wooden, the infamous basketball coach at UCLA, said if you get better just a little bit every day, and you do that for a long period of time, you will find yourself a whole lot better in the future. If you will... Spend a little bit of time in the Word of God every day. He will form and fashion you into the person He created you to be a little bit every day. And then if you stay at it over time, you're going to find yourself completely transformed out of the mess that you're in today in a new place with God and able to impact the next generation for the goodness of God. Are you guys all in on that? I need my keyboarders to come back. I'm going to skip James 4, 17. It's just a scary one. If you read it, it says, now that you know, you're accountable for it. And if you know this, and you know it because you heard it from me today. You heard it from the Spirit of God today. 
If you know it and you don't do it, it's sin. And sin separates you from God. So I want you all to stand. Now I'm going to do something that's going to make all you Minnesotans really uncomfortable. But I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm just going to ask you to start the new year, 2017, with a step of faith and a step of obedience. So there's three groups I want to talk to. I don't want anybody to move right now until I ask at the end for you to make a move. If you've quit obeying God because of a difficult situation in your life, and I know some of you are hurting today because of that, but if the enemy's gotten you to sit down rather than continue moving forward and obeying him in what you know to do, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to come forward. Secondly, if this year God has spoken to you clearly and specifically about doing something and you have been willfully rebellious against that, he told you to quit and you kept on. He told you to forgive and you didn't. He told you to give and you didn't. I don't know what it is, but if you know that God has spoken specifically to you to this year and you have quit and rebelled against that, in a moment I'm going to ask you to come forward. And if this year you've just let the ites come in because you've gotten stagnant and you've just kind of relaxed in your faith, and you haven't been diligent in your prayer time, you haven't been diligent in the Word, you haven't been diligently seeking God, and you're kind of just stagnant and bored in your faith, I'm going to ask you to come forward in just a moment. Lindsay, why are you doing that? Because sometimes we need to make a physical move to demonstrate a spiritual decision. And I can't think of a better decision to make than starting the new year in obedience to God. Not asking to understand. Not asking to see how it all works out. Not waiting for God to do something before you move because he's already done it. He did it in the baby in the manger. He did it at the cross. What more do you want? So if that's any of you, if you've if you quit obeying because you don't understand, if you're stagnant, you've just rebelled, if you've rebelled or if you're stagnant, I want you to move out of your seat right now. I just want you to come forward and say, God, I'm starting the new year in a new spot. I don't want to be stagnant. I don't want to be rebellious. I don't want to be disobedient. Come now. I'm not going to make you do anything else, but I'm going to ask you to be bold because you know what? If you won't obey here, you won't out there. When the pressure's on, if you can't in the presence of God where people are, are praying with you and believing with you, if you won't make a move to say, I need to make an adjustment in my heart, you won't do it out there. So I'm asking you, if that's you, if you've been rebellious, if you've quit acting in obedience, if you're stagnant, come forward and make a commitment to obedience now. And I'm going to just say, I'm going to be honest with you. I think everybody in this room needs to be here. Unless you've already done this. But if you don't want to come, that's okay. But you're missing a chance to meet with Almighty God. Father, we come. Father, thank you for loving us. Even when we are rebellious. God, there's no one's rebellion 
here. There's no one's stagnation. There's no one's disobedience here that has made you love them any less. Your love for them is forever the same. But God, we cut ourselves off from your presence, from your mercy and your blessing because we choose to do our own thing. We choose to go our own way. We choose to decide what's right in our own eyes. And Father, we want to end that. We want to start 2017 with a heart that's willing to obey, a heart that's leaning in to you. Father, we can't do this on our own. We rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to infuse every part of our life this year. Spirit, soul, body, socially, financially. Holy Spirit, breathe into every area of these lives. And may 2017 be the best year yet. I rebuke all condemnation for anything done or said in 2016. I cut those cords off. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. But God, I thank you that you fill and refresh and renew every person here in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Church, if you want to just stay well.